0: Kubernetes community, and welcome to another episode of uh, PodCTL Podcast. Uh, Brian, it's a uh, busy week in the States, Um, a lot of uh, votes being tallied, and uh, by the time you hear this, there still will be elections that probably won't be called yet.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought we might call this uh this this show poll CTL. But uh you know, <laughs> congrats to everybody who who hopefully went out and was part of the, the electoral process, get out and vote and all that stuff. So um yeah, so that, that went on. Um, you know, that uh you know changes in, in things. And then uh you know, obviously last week we talked about some news um, you know, that involved uh uh some consolidation. This week there was some further consolidation of the Kubernetes community. So you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, our friends at Heptio uh, got acquired by VMware. It was announced at VMWorld um, earlier this week. Uh, VMWorld Europe, I should say, in Barcelona, it was announced that they acquired uh, Heptio, and that it's going to be rolled into their uh, cloud native business unit, focusing uh, obviously still on Kubernetes.
1: Yeah. So, congratulations to the to the Heptio team. We've. Uh we've obviously talked about you know the the role that that Joe and Craig had early on at Google and you know you know part of bringing kubernetes into the community and obviously Heptio is you know taking a role in terms of you know trying to be sort of the flag bearer of you know open source you know not not distributions like a lot of vendors have done but they've really tried to be you know the company that's going the wave the flag for you know people doing it just using upstream bits so you know be good to you know, good good for them. Congratulations to them. But it does it is sort of further consolidation in the Kubernetes industry, which I don't think should be a surprise to anybody. This is what sort of naturally happens uh you know in our in our industry. Anytime there's lots and lots of options and uh you know you gotta figure out a way to make you know business work uh you know maybe sometimes a little more consolidated.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think um you know there's uh there's usually a lot of uh you know both sides of of, of you know how people kind of market exits uh when a company gets acquired you know as far as oh this is oh they they ran out of gas or oh this is a great thing um i think i think um you know as we're seeing more and more consolidations definitely isn't the end of it um but i think it's it's a it's a good match um for vmware who's uh, more newer to the community so uh bringing in a a company that has uh you know been around a little bit longer and and been deeper involved in the uh, in the kubernetes community i think is, uh, is a good match
1: yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we ran a little poll on the, uh, on the pod CTL Twitter page, uh, this, this week or on the, you know, the, the Twitter feed, uh, we asked who we thought would be the next, Kubernetes company to get acquired. I think we got about 100 or so votes or something like that. And it uh, looks like folks, about half of the folks said uh, they thought Rancher might be next. Um, we're not in the prediction business, but that was sort of what the what the folks in the market thought. Um, about 20% thought maybe Mesosphere might be next. Uh, another roughly 20% thought it might be one of the Linux, uh, other Linux companies, so Asuse or Canonical. And then about uh, 10% said maybe somebody like Platform 9 or somebody else who is, you know, kind of in that, um, you know, managed Kubernetes space. So, you know, the, the market tends to very much... Still think that uh, you know there's there's some other acquisitions or other consolidations that may happen out there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think it's it, they're always right it's technology, so they're always new companies appear. Uh, some you know stay standalone, some get acquired. So even as uh, you know, there's more consolidation, there'll be more new companies popping up too.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So so I thought you know kind of with with a little bit of consolidation being in the, in the background of the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, with with cubecon and. And Cloud Native Con coming up here in a couple of weeks in Seattle. I thought maybe what we do is is talk about kind of not a, not a state of the industry, um, but but sort of to say okay, you know we're three years into into Kubernetes, you know a couple years into sort of the mainstream of this KubeCon Cloud Native Con, um, you know how how would you rate the industry or sort of ask the question of like have we evolved the industry yet to sort of be even did just this segment of the industry to be kubernetes native not so much cloud native but sort of kubernetes native or do we still you know have a ways to go to get to where the platforms people are building the services people are consuming are sort of you know kubernetes native as opposed to being some hybrid of of other stuff mixed together
0: yeah i think i think we're i don't think we're there yet um i think we're getting there as I, you know if i was a you know, user and user of Kubernetes, the things that I would, you know, the markers I'd be looking for would be to the point where um, I don't have install instructions for different Kubernetes, you know, for something on different Kubernetes platforms. Like that was one of the things we saw when when um, things like Istio and even um, Knative first rolled out was, hey, here's, here's a, link, a link to a bunch of different uh, install instructions for each Kubernetes distro But when you when you start to dig into them, um, you saw that it was basically the same instructions for the actual install part. It was some different setup stuff, which wasn't really, um, you know, specific to that install. But I think that's the type of things where where hey, I know this is going to work. Um, things are built, you know, whether they're add-ons or um, in the ecosystem that just are designed to run on Kubernetes, and that's what's expected. Um, I would, um, I think even things like operators and stuff may bring that along a little further.
1: Yeah, I think I I would agree with that. I think, um, you know, we've definitely gone through what I'll almost consider we're almost sort of moving into the third era or third phase of, of Kubernetes. I think the first one was really, um, you know, Google's going to open source something. We're going to figure out if there's a way to make this into a community. Uh, you know, they're going to be the earliest of earliest adopters and bleeding edge folks. I, I think the second sort of era was, um, you know, okay, th- that stuff sort of works and, and the community didn't screw up the governance of things, right? Uh, you know, it didn't all become weird. Um, and so it was like, okay, how do we get a lot of applications on there? So we saw stateful applications coming onto there. We've seen kind of this explosion of serverless types of things getting built and, and, uh, you know, cron jobs and batch jobs and all these other sort of things. And then I think the th- the third one is really going to be, um, you know, people realizing like, okay, we, we can, we can buy into this Kubernetes concept. Um, it generally works. We've seen a bunch of, you know, production deployments of it, but how do we start to optimize it? And I think that's, that optimization is sort of where we get into this, what I'll, what I'll call sort of Kubernetes native, which is, like you said, it's stuff like operators. It's stuff like, you know, Istio. It's stuff like CRDs. Um, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's also going to be things like, okay, Should we have Kubernetes native CI pipelines? Should there be Kubernetes native storage or, um, you know, other types of things like that that, uh, you know, are starting to emerge and and people are figuring out like, okay, would that be a good optimization to have?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a a – what I think we are seeing a lot of stuff very quickly move into the, hey, here's the manifest to run this thing on Kubernetes, uh, just because it's as similar as we saw with Docker um, versus, you know, with software projects, you'd see here's a two page instruction manual on how to install this software on your you know machine of choice. So, hey, you're going to have to make sure you have these versions of NPM. You have to install this. You make sure Node is this version, all those types of things you know, that you're typically used to the, the beauty of the containers was, Hey, we captured all the dependencies in the container. Um, but still got tougher when you were, when an app was more complicated and needed more pieces. But now that we have, you know, Kubernetes, I think it's, it's natural. We're starting to see, um, whether it's independent software projects or actual software vendors starting to say, well, here's our software, but here's also a link to just run this manifest and, and, and run our, run our software.
1: Yep. Yep. So, let me step back a little bit. I, I've kind of been floating around there. I've been you know, using this term a little bit so far on the show and in other forums, like sort of Kubernetes native. Um, what, what, here's what I sort of define. And I, I'd be curious, sort of your take. I, I think um, you know, it kind of gets into this idea that um, we're looking at things that are more uh, container-centric um, than you know, like oh, well, I can make it work through some external plugin interface or or broker or something. Um, I, I kind of feel like it it has awareness of Kubernetes scheduling. So you know, this is where we see things like operators and other stuff leveraging the CRDs and all. And then I, I think um, you know it, it sort of has to have some understanding of of Kubernetes extensibility versus just, um, you know, and that's, and that meaning, like I understand the concept of, of Kubernetes jobs and I understand the concept of Kubernetes APIs. And, um, so that's so, sort of where I'm starting to look at, okay, are certain areas falling into that Kubernetes native thing? Can, can you think of other areas where you go, like that might be worth including in some sort of definition?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think this is sort of the challenge also with with Kubernetes right is at the at the base point there is a you know sort of standard in the, in the core API and, and the core things you're expecting uh, but then due to the extensibility of it um it's hard to say hey these are the, you know if you're building a thing like these are the things you should be using in Kubernetes uh, especially if some of them are you know basically extensions uh, that aren't part of the core code so I think I think it starts getting a little bit more difficult um, and I think it gets more up to the individual sort of, um, individual project of how they want to, how deeply they, they should and can integrate with, uh, Kubernetes.
1: Right. Right. Um, so I was I was reading an interesting report, and uh, you know pe- people have different opinions on on analyst reports or, or different things, but uh, it was an interesting report uh, from some folks at Gartner, and and they were sort of breaking out this idea, especially when they were looking at at platforms, for example, and these could be you know as a service platforms or you know software uh, vendor driven platforms, whatever it was, and they and they started to break out this idea of sort of DevOps versus like platform ops, and you know DevOps obviously people can have different opinions, but ultimately it's you know about driving you know Software productivity, developer productivity, being able to get things uh, onto a platform and and into production, you know, quickly and so forth, and and platform ops was sort of a newer concept. Um, you could argue, like, okay, it's you know, it's it, you know, it's kind of the evolution of it. Um, but it, what was interesting to me is I was sort of thinking, okay, the developer side of things, you're never going to get really completely consistent, right? Developers all have different takes on things. We see new languages come along, new frameworks, and but, but, on the platform side, I, I mean you almost have to get to a point where it's it 's fairly consistent right you, you, know, you can have a lot of different ways that you can get code onto a platform or you can use different languages but i I kind of feel like we need to be evolving towards this idea that, that platform ops should be very consistent um, around sort of a, a certain set of, of ways of thinking about this. And that uh, may be tooling, it may be sort of operational things. Um, but are you hearing people start to think about this idea of, of platform ops, uh, you know, and, and like are there skill sets or, you know, ways to think about sort of how the platform team should evolve?
0: Yeah yeah I think that's I think that's a uh, rapidly growing space for for the reasons you highlighted there is the you know it's hey the developers want to you know build their apps and, and spin them up uh, and have a platform to do that and you bring in kubernetes you you can do that but it's it's the ops sort of moving up a layer where before, you know, if you figure traditional IT ops is spinning up ser- physical servers and virtual servers um, and sort of all of their tooling that evolves over time. Um, you know, some of it, you know, from bash scripts all the way up to, you know, uh, software companies make some pretty advanced tooling um, but I think, I think you're starting to see that move up, and I think what's, what's interesting at this phase is, you know, as virtualization grew out, was, you know, mainly dominated by VMware, uh, a lot of the tooling was also proprietary, too, um, whereas wh- because, you know, Kubernetes being fully open source, um, there, there's a, a lean on open source tools to, you know, for platform ops, so things like Prometheus, and, and that versus a, uh, you know, sort of a proprietary piece of software. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I, and I think that's that's what what sort of got me going is is I I looked at a bunch of the things that that they had included in platform ops, and it was everything from you know deploy the platform, upgrade the platform, monitor the platform, deal with scalability of of, of the underlying platform, and so forth. And you know I was like, okay, we've seen different approaches in the market for how to get Kubernetes out there. Sometimes it's it's kind of the, the core element of the platform, in other cases it's kind of a silo of of some other platform. And I was like, you know, I, I can imagine if you're trying to manage multiple sort of silos of things that, you know, maybe are containers or some other abstract for getting for getting applications on there, you're you're going to make things fairly difficult for the for the ops team. So it's like, should we be encouraging, you know, more and more uh, of the the people that are going to be doing platform ops to go like, hey, we should be pushing for Kubernetes because ultimately Kubernetes has has gotten to a point where. It can manage most types of applications. I mean, we've seen deployments of everything from sort of big data to IoT to web apps to you know lifted and shifted applications. It runs Linux. It does it does uh, Windows and stuff now. Um, you know, I, I feel like more and more we're going to see companies saying like, I, I can't afford to essentially have two silos of of platform ops just to be able to get applications onto something that that deploys applications quickly. Like we'll see. I think I think we're going to start to see more and more these platform ops tools become sort of Kubernetes centric or Kubernetes native, you know, Prometheus is a great example of that. Uh, you know, operators, I think is going to be a, a very you know strong player in that category. Um, but, you know, it may, it may evolve into other things as well. It could be, you know, CI platforms, it could be storage, it could be a lot of different things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, one thing that is, is sort of nice to see in the community too is p- um, because, um, you know, the, the wide spread of Kubernetes teams looking to, Try to stay in the mainstream, um, which is a a good thing I think overall. Where traditionally, a lot of times in IT, you're looking for the perfect thing or the best thing, and you may pick some obscure tool or or something like that. Where you know things seem to coalesce around some of the things uh, pretty quickly. You know things like Prometheus for monitoring and other things like that. Where it's basically like, yep, this is this is what everyone's using. And then you see even the stuff like um, you know like downstream uh, s- stuff like OpenShift adopting it too, instead of, you know, staying, you know, on, on some of the older stuff. So I think that's, that's a nice piece of it too, is to see it's all going, uh, sort of roughly people staying in the same tool sets. Obviously you have to evaluate what makes sense for you and your environment, but I think that's a a nice thing we've seen in the community.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I think we've seen what, what, what we always see, which is, um, you know there's there's sort of there's the sort of the purity angle which is where things tend to start off with you know everything old is bad and everything new is going to be great and we're going to fix everything and then there's you know the reality of like okay i got to plug this into existing systems and so that's why we get people going well you know i'll just plug jenkins into this there's no reason not to use that it's what we use today and then we start to see things like i don't know a jenkins x which is more kubernetes aware or we see um you know storage platforms that come along that are more Container centric, as opposed to people just saying like, "Oh, well, I'll just use a a storage plugin for my old legacy uh, storage array or something like that." So I think we're going to see that. But there's another area that I, I think was sort of interesting, and I was talking to, to James Governor from Redmonk about, and he basically said, "Hey, um, you know, do you think we'll see now that there's all this stuff, uh, you know, blue green deployments, canary deployments, um, you know, new ways of of kind of deploying stuff? Do you think we'll see essentially like?" I don't know, a a more Kubernetes aware kind of uh, way of doing sort of ITIL processes because you've got this big gap of like, you know, control boards and all those sort of things. And then you've got this super fast way of doing it, but not everybody trusts that super fast way of doing it. So will there be something in between, which I thought was sort of an interesting thing of going, okay, instead of totally going forward, do we move back a little bit to deal with the fact that we've now built these systems that can go super fast, but maybe don't necessarily have the the governance built in that people might want?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a technology evolution and uh, also a, you know, organizational evolution. You know, I've seen things like, like DevOps and DevSecOps and, and things like that. I think it's also sort of a cultural policy, a sort of evolution too, where you know some of the things we see in place in customers, where they say, "Oh, well, here's our limitations on our platform, and it's it's based on sort of policies set in the mainframe days." Um, so I think that it's it's a at sometimes you know move fast and break things. You're you're breaking a lot of things, and it's it's not necessarily a good thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, I think. As we, we sort of wrap this one up, um, you know, I, I do think sometimes it's good to, to go, okay, we, we've hit a milestone. You know, we're at, a, we're at a stage. Do we do we evaluate where we are? And I think we are beginning to see more and more of, you know, like I said, this sort of third generation of people realizing like, okay, the platform works. We can get it into deployment. We, we know how to deal with it to a certain extent. People are learning the skills. And, and then I think it always kind of ebbs back and flow back and forth between you know people evolution technology evolution i think we're going to see another technology evolution of okay how do we make these platforms um you know much more efficient much more automated for both apps and platforms as we get into 2019 and sort of you know kicking off at probably kubecon to a certain extent and then kicking off into 2019 and and definitely something people should should kind of be paying attention to i think
0: yeah yeah absolutely i think uh I think it's a uh, a fascinating time and, and seeing which, you know, kind of I'm 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 excited to see what's less interested, which I think is a good thing about, you know, hey, let's talk about sort of kube internals at KubeCon, but sort of the you know, the stuff in the ecosystem. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I you know, I think last year the big talking point was all about service mesh. Uh, you know, Istio was, was kind of the buzzword. Um, you know, I think we'll see some other things. I think we'll see some talk about federation. I think operators will, will, will be a big deal. I think there'll be some other stuff. Um, serverless with K native, I think will be talked about a lot. So, you know, the, the good news is it's, it went from, you know, sort of an add on thing with, with something like service mesh to a bunch of things that are going to be, you know, much more, much more sort of Kubernetes integrated. They're integrated in the CRD and, and, uh, you know they're going to be a little bit different than uh, than what we saw last year. So it's good good to see the evolution, and uh, hopefully we get to see a bunch of listeners out at uh, at KubeCon. We'll bring the we'll bring the microphones, probably try and do some recordings while we're out there. Um, for anybody who's going, um, just a heads up we do a we do a really cool thing the day before the event called uh, OpenShift Commons Gathering. It's um, you know if you're into OpenShift, um, it's a really great chance to talk to a lot of different uh, other companies that are using it, people that are curious about it, um, and you know there's obviously a lot of other stuff going on at KubeCon. Con. so hopefully folks are out there hopefully we get to see some people come by say hi um you know you and i'll be around might be at the red hat booth might just be around and about everywhere so anything else this week that you want to you hit on uh i think we covered a lot of stuff no no i think that's it yeah very cool. Listen, folks, as always, thank you for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Uh, the show seems to continue to do well, which is great. Um, you know, and, and we're seeing more and more topics coming in from people um, You know, in, through email and through Twitter and, and stuff like that. So I, <laughs> I, got a, I got an email the other day. It was about uh, 25 different questions. So that one might be a little longer than, than we can cover in a show. But, uh, but keep them coming. We'll try and respond to email when they make sense. And we'll try and include them in shows when they make sense as well. So for Tyler and I, for everybody, thanks for listening this week. And we will talk to you next week.